Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank You, we do praise You that You are an awesome, awesome God, Father, that You work in our lives, that we can come to You, Father, and find the rest for our souls. Father, I pray that Your Spirit would be here today to do a deep work in our hearts, Father, to strengthen us to be the people You need us to be, that we need to be, the people that we want to be. Continue, Father, just to do a work. And we give You this time. We set it aside, Father, as a sacrifice to You. Many other things we could be doing on a Sunday, Father, but we desire to have our life right with You. Father, teach us, instruct us as only You can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have been watching the world uh, with the uh, advent of Christ, the coming of Jesus into this dark, cold planet. We associated that with with Jesus coming onto the scene just like in Genesis 1, verse 1, where it talks about that the world was formless and void in the beginning. And then the Spirit of God was hovering over the planet to start a new work. And Jesus is coming into the scene of Israel. He's hovering over the planet, desiring to do a great work. <clears throat> and we're seeing that the enemy, Satan, has been trying to tempt him to go off course. We've seen that Satan can lie, cheat, and deceive people for where they are with God. And Jesus is, is begging. He's inviting. He's wanting us to be able to take our lives to the next level, to have life, and that we would have life more abundantly as Jesus' cry. And so if you would, we're watching these things start to happen, and we said it's the process of a promise. God's promise from thousands of years back have been said, and now it seems like they're coming to fruition. They're starting to bear fruit. They're starting to materialize. There's an excitement in the air. And Jesus is coming on the scene, and, and things are not just left cold, dead, and stale. They're starting to vibrate with life. And so we watch now as things are starting to happen in chapter 5, and you're seeing that a huge multitude was responding. It says, so it was as the multitude pressed about Him. I like that. They're, they can't get enough of Jesus. They're seeing some radical contrast for what's happening in their life and they're saying, I need more of this. And they're chasing down Jesus and they're pressing Jesus. They wanted to hear the Word of God. Last week we said Jesus said He came for that purpose to teach about the Kingdom of God. And as they're hearing something radically different, they sit down and they say, tell us more, tell us more. And so they wanted to hear about the Word of God. And he says that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and, uh, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. <clears throat> so he's being pressed out by this lakeside, if you would. And uh, he says, but the fishermen had gone from them, these two boats, and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, which is another name for Peter. And this is Peter's introduction to Christ, if you would. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So they're hearing something radical. They're pressing upon Jesus. Jesus is realizing that you know this is getting hard to speak to so many people. He gets in a little boat and gets off to the water to put a little distance. I don't know if you ever had that experience when you can speak across water. It kind of carries it all the way across clearly. We were growing up in Maine. We had a cabin up in Maine. And, and it's weird in the morning. 
you know, there was cabins on the other side of the lake. It was almost a mile, two miles away on the other side of the lake, and yet you could hear people talking as they're just having casual conversation. You could almost hear the whole conversation. So on still waters, as Jesus is out there, he can now sit down there and says, let me use this as like a natural amphitheater, if you would. I want to speak to more people and address more people. He sees a couple boats. He says, you know, hey, you, come on over here. Let me grab your boat. Let's push out a little bit. Simon Peter's sitting there saying, I wasn't following Jesus, didn't hear anything about Jesus. He's just sitting there minding his own business. And Jesus enters into Peter's life. Jesus invades Peter's space, if you would. Walks up there and says, I need this, I'll take this, give me a lift out. And I suppose then Peter gets a ringside seat to what Jesus is saying. Jesus is speaking, and at this point it's we're not sure exactly the points Jesus was saying. He's probably teaching concepts of the kingdom of God, things that are happening. And Peter's sitting down there going, okay, 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 I got this guy, prophet's coming through, everybody wants to hear him, I might as well listen, I'm stuck in the boat next to him. And he's listening. And it says, when he had stopped speaking though, he gave his sermon, he said to Simon, he says, hey, I'll give you a bonus here, launch out into the deep, let's go a little further out. And let down your nets for a catch. Let's go back to fishing, Peter. And Simon answered and he said to him, <clears throat> Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, if you would, I kind of got chewed out a little last week. Uh, I don't know. Interesting correction, I guess, because we were talking as Jesus was dealing with the demons. Uh, and I insert my tones as Jesus was speaking to the demons and said, Be quiet! And I interpreted that as, Shut up! <laughs> now that's Pastor Dave using the intensity of the scene with my own inflections to talk about the, the, the battle that's going on. And I suppose you could have also interpreted the passage as it to say, when Jesus is dealing with a demon, it doesn't mean that he's screaming back at a demon. Jesus is not losing his cool, I suppose. But he could have easily, just as easily said, be quiet, quiet. And that demon could have left. Now, I interpret it as the be quiet as, shut up! <laughs> I see that a little bit more plausible in the scene where Jesus is like, I don't have time for this trash. But... Here again, you're in, invoking a tone into what's happening. And you're seeing Peter as he's somebody who sees Jesus. And, he's, and Jesus says, come on, let's go back and do some fishing here. we got some hope to catch some fish. And Peter's like, interestingly enough, he uses the term master. He goes, you're a prophet. You're the guy running through town. Everybody seems to like you. And he's trying to be respectful. He's going, master, don't mean to call you an idiot here, but I just spent all night trying to catch fish. We got nothing going on here. Uh, uh, I don't want to tell you to do, you know, your job as a prophet, but don't try and tell me my job as a fisherman. This ain't happening. And so, lo and behold, he, 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 he offers that and he says, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. And he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, he says, at your word, I will let down the net. So, 
uh, okay, I'll entertain you with the concept. Uh, we'll throw out our nets after I just cleaned them all. We'll go throw them all back out. After I've just been up all night, we'll do this one more time. And when they had done this, they had an act, and they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they uh, signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And then when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, strange statement, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So all of a sudden, something happened in Peter. He saw the, the catch of fish, and as a fisherman, that's what he's trying to do is to catch fish. He's now saying, I don't think it would happen, but I was proven wrong. And now he sees something in this that all of a sudden makes something click into his head. So I guess he was listening to Peter. And, I mean, as he's listening, Peter's listening to Jesus, he's going, yeah, 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 God, yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, you know, you're the prophet. But when he sees the fish, all of a sudden he's broken. All of a sudden, there's something inside of Peter, and notice his response. He says, depart from me, depart from me. I get it. You are holy. I get it. There's something special about you. I get it. I'm a piece of trash. And do you hear him say that? He's going, I, 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 depart from me. Jesus, look, you don't want to be around somebody like me. I'm a sinful man. In the light of the power of God, something as simple as a good catch of fish, something clicked. I think the message, the message is all of a sudden starting to make sense. And he's going, oh, wow, there's God working here. Wow, uh, 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 I, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And Jesus, you need to get away from me. You don't want me, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dirty. Do you hear that? And it says, for, for, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And it says, so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So Peter, James, and John were all partners, and James and John were brothers, and they all worked together to catch fish. And now they're saying, this is unbelievable. I don't know, maybe you don't supposed to fish in the middle of the day. Maybe these fish were nocturnal, and that's when your best fishing was at night. Nobody in their right mind would fish during the day. And yet during the day, they got the best catch of uh, the century. And so he says, and Jesus said to Simon, he goes, listen to this, he said, first off, he said, don't be afraid. And I like that. Because he's sensing the fear, the fear inside of Peter from seeing this, and he's shocked by what's happened. And then he says, from now on you will catch men. So you're not going to just be a fisherman, but you're going to be out fishing for men. You're going to use the same principles as if you would sift through the land and, 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 and or the water. You're now going to go through the land and to catch men and to preach for me. So when they had brought uh, their boats to land, listen to this, they forsook all and followed him. So I find that amazing that here they are, the, the one thing that meant something to Peter was the fish. 
And I guess his whole life he's dreamed of the big, you know, you know, catch. I just want to catch that big fish. I want to get the, the mother load. I want that big granddaddy, you know, uh, halibut out there. I want to finally catch it. And when he catches it, what happens? He doesn't want it. Something clicked inside of Peter, and he says, you know, this is so astonishing, I'm just going to leave it all behind. Now, isn't that amazing how that happens in our life? We, we do have this desire to pursue, to chase after so many things. And I suppose there's that thing that when you actually have it, it means nothing. And what Peter is doing is, is he's astonished and he says, I've seen something greater than what I was desiring before. The greater thing is, is this Jesus and how did Jesus know to go out and to catch fish? There's something supernatural about what Jesus is doing. And I, and, and he's now saying, I'd rather have the bigger thing, not the big fish, but Jesus. And it turned around and it, it converted Peter to be someone who was different than who he was before. His eyes were open. He was understanding certain things. And as we do, we come to Christ, we have our eyes open. We have an understanding. And we should be different people than who we were before. That's what happens when you embrace Christ. As a Christian, we should be different people. Our goals, our ambitions, and everything about that should be different. And so if you would, you're seeing that he becomes a fisher of men. He's already brought his partners into the scene. They're going to become the inner circle of Jesus, if you would. And, and all of a sudden they're starting to say, this Jesus has got something going on. Verse 12, And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy, skin disease, if you would, he was full of leprosy. He saw Jesus. And he fell down on his face, this guy, when he sees Jesus, and he implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Interesting statement. It's a, it's a statement of faith saying, Lord, if you are willing, I know that you can, but are you? And he put out his hand and he touched him and he says, I'm willing. Be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. So if you would, there's a lot of things going on here where Jesus, once again, he's coming up to this guy and he's showing the spiritual power of the kingdom of God and he's seeing a healing. A guy who says, I'm an outcast. I'm, I'm dirty. I'm filthy. Peter got that as well. He says, I'm dirty. I'm filthy. And here Jesus comes in and he wants to send the message and says, it's okay for who you are. You're loved. You're cared for. And, and I want to change you. Now this is absolutely critical for our understanding for God. That a lot of us, when we actually start to embrace the concepts of coming before God, being forgiven of our sins, the light comes on and we start to see how wretched you and I are. And there is that ability to say, God, get away from me. You don't want me, God. I know who I really am. I'm trash. And what happens is that God wants to say, I know you are. 
I know where you're at. I love you as you are, and I'm here to take care of you and to change you. That's hard for our mind to comprehend. It's difficult to be able to make that concept, to, to be able to feel that way. I uh, was talking to a brother last night at the prayer meeting, and, and, you know, and I was telling him about our church, and I said, you know, hopefully our church, when you see it, it says on the doorway, when you come in, it says sanctuary. And, and I think of a sanctuary as, you know, uh, a bird sanctuary. I think of it as a place where if it was a, a wild bird sanctuary, you know that the birds could fly into this, you know, acreage, this, this plot of land, and then that bird would know that it, you know, it couldn't get shot there. If you flew outside the sanctuary, if you would, you could say, yeah, I'm a rare bird, I'm good for eating or something, and everybody's shooting at me. And, and when you come into the sanctuary of God, the sanctuary of God is a place that you can say, hey, I'm not going to get shot here. I'm not going to get wounded. I'm not going to be attacked here. I'm going to come into the presence of the Lord and it should be a place where you can say, Lord, I'm going to let down my guard. I'm going to let down my hair and I need to, I need to come before you uh, wretched and blind, poor and hurting, frustrated and, and, and wounded. And I know out there in the world, they're shooting at me left and right, but when I come before you, Lord, I, I need to know that, that I can find sanctuary. They're not going to be ripping me apart. And you can hear that. The idea is to say, wait a second, God, when I'm out there, everyone wants a piece of me. Everybody wants to attack me. i got to put on the, the fake and phony airs. i got to impress everybody. I'm afraid of everything. I'm always watching my back. And we have that idea that we're going to carry that into God. Okay, God, if I come to you, I've got to do the same thing. I've got to cover my back. I've got to hedge my bets. I've got to sit down there and, and really, well, I'm going to go into this God thing, but I, 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 I don't want to go too quick because uh, 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 God could see who I am and take advantage of me. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. People out there take advantage of me, and I won't allow that to happen to me here. And the concept is, is, and you hear these people and they're saying, you know, Peter, and you're hearing this guy with leprosy and he says, hey, hey, God, I know that you can, but are you willing? Can I, can I, can I trust you? Can I, can I be myself in front of you? I, I need, I need a, a place of sanctuary. I need a place to, to be myself. And, and hopefully when you do come into the church, nobody starts to shoot you and pull you apart and say, oh, one of you, we don't like you, we don't want you, we don't need you. That's disgusting when a church operates in those parameters. And what the church needs to be is a place to say, you can be you. And, and, and I like it. He, this guy at the prayer meeting last night took it to the next level and said, you know, it's like you have to move from being an orphan to a son. And, and when, when we're in the world and we're lost and confused, we, we are, are orphans. We're, we're like, we're, we're fighting for every scrap of meal. We're always trying to defend and to take care of ourselves and we trust no one. Where a son, if you're a son in the, in the king's household, where if you're, when you're part of the family, you don't have to sit down and prove anything. You don't have to fight for anything. You are who you are. And what we need to do as a church is, is to come from a place of, of, of being orphans of the world coming into the presence of the Lord and turning around and be able to say, I'm a son, I belong. I'm family here. I'm in God's household. God, you're not going to shoot me, are you? You're not going to rip me apart, are you? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I don't do that. I love you. I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to wash you. 
Peter, don't be afraid. Peter, I want to work in your life. I want to change things. And that struck Peter so hard. This man with leprosy was changed radically. And he's saying, wow. Now notice, if you would, that both of these instances are tied into a, a, a very radical concept, which is the underpinning of what makes the difference in someone's life. It's called a statement of faith, an act of faith. This guy, when he says, I know you are able, are you willing? There's a statement that says, I believe. When Peter was told to let down his nets and to go out for a deeper catch, out to the deep and to get a bigger catch, he did say, I, I don't particularly buy this, but nevertheless, at your bidding. He was turning around and he was saying, I, I, I'm not wholeheartedly buying this. My heart's not all the way there, but I'm going to step out in faith. Christianity, in order to be enabled, enabled, actuated, to be functioning in your life, you have to step out in faith, as they say, make a statement of faith, and that seems to open up the powers of God. I, I like this. If, 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 you were, if you were out there fishing, here's Peter, a fisherman, and he says, you know, fishing is you're in a boat, and, and all this is water all around you. You can't see anything that goes on underneath the water, especially if you're out in the deep. You might be able to see, you know, two or three feet under the water, but you have no idea. Uh, nowadays, they got fish finders. Have you ever played around with one of those out on a boat? And they got these little radar, sonar things that go down there. And it will tell you just where the fish are down there. That's kind of cheating, you know what I mean? And you go, oh, I see a big fish down there swimming around. You chase it around. You grab it, throw the hook in front of it. And of course, you're going to catch it. But the, the mystery of fishing is you're going, I have, I have no idea what's happening below my feet. There's a whole nother world going on down there. And it seems like we throw a line here, we throw our nets over there, and it seems like it's really, you know, uh, 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 taking a, a, a shot in the dark to get anything accomplished. And so many of us, we feel that we're going through life, and life is just a shot in the dark. I don't know how I get through life. I'm stumbling through life blind and, and, and ignorant and, and I'm trying to figure things out. And what happens is that you see that we said Jesus was kind of clairvoyant, we use the term. We said that's a witchcraft type term, you know. But I like the term because it says he's clear-visioned. Jesus has got clear vision into the spiritual kingdom all around us. Jesus understands all the things that are happening. Jesus is the one that says, I see what's going on all around you, all below the boat. And he's the one that says, no, 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 there's a big catch of fish right there. Can't you see it? And Peter's gone, no, I don't see it. No, no, I'm a fisherman. I don't see it out there. You're crazy for going out there in the middle of the day to catch another fish. And Jesus goes, I see it. You throw your nets over there, you're going to have the, the fishing day of the century. And, and somehow or another, all around us, there is a whole kingdom, and God is, 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 it's the kingdom of God all around us, and Jesus is the one that's clairvoyant, clear-visioned, being able to discern into that. He's the fish finder, if you would. He says, I can see all the things that are happening. And he says, when you put your faith and trust in me, you're going to start to unlock the door to start to understand all the different things that are going around you. And you won't be stumbling around in the dark. You won't be blind to the world and the spiritual things around you. You will start to see wonderful things start to take place. A healing of the leprosy. You're going to see the catch that's going to come. And when you understand, all of a sudden you go, well, here's Jesus. I got Jesus. Jesus. 
I don't even need to fish anymore. I'm going to get up, walk away from it, and have what's in my heart. And Jesus is trying to, to scream out a message. He's trying to say, I love you. I care about you. If you trust me, you're not stumbling around in, in the world where people are just taking pot shots at you and you have no idea where your enemy's coming from. He says, I'm here to bring you sanctuary. I'm here to bring you rest. I'm here to bring rest for your souls. And so Jesus is saying, I am willing. And I like this. He, he, he said he was willing. Immediately the leprosy left him. A miracle takes place. Verse 14. And he charged him to tell no one. Interesting concept. And he says, I don't want you just to run around and brag about stuff. He says, he says but go and show yourself to the priest. To the priest? Well, the priests were going to be, they get to be, the adversary of Jesus, if you would. We talked about how the world was cold, dead, and stale. The priesthood, Zacharias was our example, sitting there in the temple, sees an angel, and he flips out, and then he has such lack of belief of seeing anything spiritual, it says you're going to be mute for the nine months until your kid's born. And, and, and here's this priesthood that thinks it operates in the spiritual and Jesus goes, these guys are as blind as a bat. They have no idea what's going on. And in this world, there are many people that have the perception that they know what's going on in the spiritual. There is a lot of religions out there that claim spirituality. There are a lot of mediums. There are a lot of spiritual things that are happening. The world is, is prolific in being able to produce people that think that they're spiritual. And Jesus goes, you go show them a healing. <laughs> you go up and give the guy, the priest, right? You go, you're supposed to, I don't know, he's supposed to pay 50 bucks if a miracle happens, let's just say. And so the, the guy comes up and says, hey, here's the 50 bucks for the miracle that God healed me for. And the priest is going to go, what? How did this happen without us knowing about it? Well, that Jesus guy, he healed me. He touched me. And he's making a statement. He's letting people know. He's saying, hey, something's going on here. Uh, 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 you guys are blind. You're not producing anything. Jesus is producing. And he said, be quiet about it, but it doesn't seem to work because he says, however, the report went around concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So this wonderful thing is starting to take off. It's starting to explode. Jesus is turning around and he's saying, hey, I'm willing to work. I love and I'm going to work. And it takes us turning around and saying, God, you're willing. So, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I like that, where Jesus is our example. We need to seek Christ, and we need to be people of prayer and meditation. But it says, it says, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees, those priests, and teachers of the law, sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So now these guys are sitting by. They're, they're now watching this. They're saying, oh, God's moving. Jesus thinks he's spiritual. Jesus knows the spiritual realm. You can just see him going, I'd like to check this out. Yeah, right. Sure. And these guys are sitting there watching. And Jesus knows that they're watching it. And he realizes, and it says, and I look into this weird line. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's a weird line. Feel that way some days? God's working, man. Great things are happening. 
and other days it just seems like blah. <laughs> You're like, Lord, I'm just, you know, kind of going through the motions. Lord, I'm trying to just live life. Lord, I'm just working my job and getting a paycheck. And it seems like there's other times where you go, man, I felt the power of God. You ever hear anybody says, man, can you, can you feel it? It's like the presence of the Lord was so thick there you could cut it with a knife. And, I, and there's seasons, there's times, there are events where God seems to be moving. And this was one of those times where God was moving. And he says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. With a bunch of grumpy people sitting around trying to argue with Jesus. And then behold, the problem happens. Men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, right? So he's, he can't walk or move. Whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. So now all these guys said, hey, we got to go get this guy to Jesus. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on top of the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So here, if Jesus was speaking in the pulpit here, and every seat is taken, the parking lot's packed, and this guy's like, i got to get my buddy to Jesus. What are they doing? So let's climb up on the roof, rip the roof off, and get the guy straight down here to you know where Jesus is. They're willing to, 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 to rip the roof off. They're making a huge effort. And listen to this. This is critical, verse 20. He says, And when Jesus, he, when he saw their faith, listen to this, not the guy, the paralytic's faith, but their faith, his four friends who were there ripping the roof off, saying, we've got to take care of my buddy. It was their faith. He said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, powerful statement. And he says, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. They're all up there in the back of the, oh yeah, right, your sins are forgiven you. Oh yeah. They're up there as the peanut gallery heckling them. Saying, oh, who is, who is this who speaks blasphemies? You can't say you forgive people their sins. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Notice their reasoning. And Jesus, as this is happening, the roof's getting ripped off, the, the crowd's going crazy. He sees that there's a peanut gallery in the back ripping them apart. And he says, uh, and he says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and he said to them, he says, why are you reasoning in your hearts? And if you would, I'd like to mention that reasoning destroys faith. Faith is not a conclusion. It's not some intellectual concept. It's a matter of trusting. And these men didn't want to trust. They wanted everything to be reasoned in their minds. Show me exactly what, when, where, and how this is supposed to be. Explain it to us because I want to know. And Jesus is like, you're not going to ever know until you know me. Until you understand what's going on. Until you have the fish finder. You're not going to understand what's going on below you. There's a whole world going on around you and you won't know it till you know Jesus. And he says, okay, if you want to sit down there and play this game, he says, he asks him a question. He goes, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? So Jesus is saying, okay, I said your sins were forgiven and that was supposed to heal you. But that statement's kind of ambiguous. It's kind of really hard to say, well, your sins are forgiven. If I went up and told you your sins are forgiven, you know, how do you grab hold of that? And they're saying, well, Jesus, yeah, you're saying a lot of stuff. That's just your mouth and stuff. And with your mouth, you're insulting God. And Jesus says, well, if your sins are forgiven, that part, that's going to lead to the healing. And so if you want to see something tangible, a demonstration of 
faith that's going to be poured out. He says, I'll do the hard thing. He says, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell this guy to rise up and walk. I'm going to make the miracle happen so that you can see the spiritual that was going on behind it. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He, uh, he said to the man who was paralyzed, he says, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. These guys are flipping out. They're going, wow, did you check that out? Jesus just wasn't up there using ambiguous terms. He wasn't just up there giving us a promise and telling us to trust and to have blind faith. Jesus demonstrated the power of God. And he said, hey, there's things that are happening so that people could turn around and make the statement and say, wow, check that out. This is trippy what God is doing. And so Jesus, as he's there with a demonstration, he's trying to get people, if you would, to think outside the box. The, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they wanted to lock Jesus into a box. And they said, hey, you can't do that. We know how things operate. We understand how fishing is. You fish at night. We understand how leprosy is. There's no cure for leprosy. We understand things in our mind. And Jesus is saying, excuse me, but you're trusting me. I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to radically rock your world for the way that you understand things. Are you ready for that? And what we need to be able to say is you're right. In each case of this, now you're seeing another statement of faith. This is a radical statement of faith where these guys, there's four friends, another gospel will tell us, they're ripping the roof off the place and they're saying, Jesus, we know you're the answer. And if we in our hearts could turn around and to say, Lord, I know that you're the answer, it starts to enable, empower the work of God. You've got to, you've got to start to, to, to understand the kingdom principles. You've got to work with God. When I was, uh, single, way back when, I think I was rather shy. Asking out a girl was like, you know, the death sentence to me. I'd rather die than have any of that happen. I, I can remember being on the beach in California walking down the beach having a particularly glum and gloomy day. You know, beautiful girl walks up and, you know, you usually just think that they're going to go look at you and say, oh, you're a dog, you know, and keep on going, you know. And this girl just particularly smiled at me. That's all she did. She put on this big old smile. She looked at me. She goes, hey, how you doing? And, you know, she kept on walking and Chick and Dave never did anything with it. But, you know, in my heart, it changed my whole day. I turned around and says, Wow, hey, wow, hey, wow. And for a guy who can be rather shy, it can be, you know, it can make your whole life to know that someone can come up and smile at you. Someone can come up and do something positive. Somebody can go up and look at you in a, in a positive way. And, and that emboldens you. It strengthens you to go forward. And, and I suppose in a certain sense, the same thing can happen with you and I as we approach God. So many times, you know what I mean, if, if we can come to God and we want to 
stimulate God, it takes a statement of faith, a smile on our faith, a believing heart to turn around. And if we come and approach God and say, Hey God, you're alright. You're alright. I'm not here to give huge statements of theology. I just want to say, I believe in you. I know that you can. I know that you're able. And I'm telling you, as God sits on the throne, it moves things in the spiritual kingdom. Now you compare that to a guy who can have his wife at home and he turns around and when he comes home and his wife is nag, nag, nag. You need to do this, you need that, you need to do this, you need to do that. And the guy turns around and he says, man, as soon as I get in the door, I know what I'm going to hear. I'm supposed to fix the fence, I'm supposed to fix that. Why didn't I do this? Why am I late? Blah, 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 blah. You take that same man and he's going to turn around and says, you know what? I think I can take the long way home. I think I can just, you know, there's no need. I, I, I don't want to put up with that. Can I go anywhere else, please? What makes you think God, as he's sitting up there in the universe, he goes, oh, here comes Dave, you know? Nag, 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 nag. He's complaining about this, he's complaining about that, and I'm sure he's saying, shut up, <laughs> you know? Can, can you do something else, Dave, besides sit in church and complain? And, and what we need to do is to be able to say, Lord, I want to stimulate, I want to enable, I want to go into the spiritual kingdom. And it's based upon a very simple truth. When you make a state, what we call a statement of faith, when we can take a step of faith, when we go out there and put ourselves on a limb and says, Now, nah, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe it. You're all right, Lord. You are okay. And that enables, it opens the door. It, it, it allows the power of the Holy Spirit to be unleashed. So that what happens when there's an excitement in the air, when God is saying, man, there's a bunch of people down there just looking for something good to happen, there's this sense, this feeling that the power of God is present to heal. I like that. I want that. I want to go to a church where you go, oh, I can just feel the presence of the Lord. Why is that there? How come some churches, it's, it's, you can just feel it. And other churches, the power of God's a million miles away. And you go, man, that place is dead. And you go, well, Lord, because as each one of these statements of faith, whether it be Peter, who had his faith invaded, but he said, nevertheless, I'll let down my nets. Whether it be the man with leprosy who says, Lord, if you are willing, I know that you're able. Or if it's the zeal, listen to this, of someone else who's saying, hey, this guy's just saying, I'm a paraplegic, I don't know what's going on. They're ripping down the roof. But his friends had so much faith that they were ripping the roof off to get to Jesus. And when we come before the Lord and have this exuberant attitude and to say, Lord, I know you can't. Lord, I know that you're there. And I don't know how this works, but it works. There is a response in the kingdom of God where God is drawn just like to a beautiful woman compared to a nagging wife where God says, I, I want to go to somebody who's going to smile, somebody who's going to be excited. And you and I, if you want the power of God to work in your life, there has to come a point, there has to come a point where you can make a statement of faith. What I hate to see is, you know, you sit here in church, brother is sitting there struggling, with sin. Pick your sin. He's struggling with sexual sin. If you're a single man, you're struggling. You struggle, you struggle, you struggle. And I've seen brother after brother just come in church and struggle with his temptations. 
And he says, I'm just going to, oh, pastor, you don't, you know, wouldn't tell me this, but you can see it written all over his face. Man, I was up all night wrestling. I had one perverted dream. I had one image of this. I'm thinking of that. I'm looking at everything. Man, I'm just going through the valley of temptation. He'll sit here in church, sit here in church, sit here in church and go through it, and he'll keep it all on his own shoulders. Then you watch this brother after a period of time, and he's really trying, really trying to serve the Lord in his righteousness and his strength to conquer this sickness that he's got. He's beating himself over the head time after time. And then all of a sudden he says, I can't handle it anymore. He goes out. I'm going to go smoke some crack. I'm going to go get a prostitute. And bam! Then all of a sudden wakes up the next morning and he goes, buddy, what have I done? I can't go back to church, man. People know that I was out. What I did, they're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm not a Christian. And then you watch said brother just then fall off, go off into oblivion and never come back. And he'll beat himself to death over and over and over again. And you go and talk to that brother and say, man, come back to church. And they'll go, no. I tried that Jesus stuff and it didn't help me. Man, I, I, I had to succumb to my temptations and I, I, it doesn't work. Well, as a pastor, you scream to the guy who's sitting there in the valley of temptation before it happens, and you beg and you say, hey, 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 why don't you come forward? If, if you're wrestling all last night with your demons, you come forward and ask for prayer. Have someone lay your hands on you and say, man, I'm struggling with temptation right now. I, I am thinking every single thing wicked and perverted, and I am struggling and struggling and struggling. And, and listen, when the words leave your lips of saying, I need help. I, 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 I can't do this anymore. I, I, would you pray for me? <sighs> Boy, just... just the, the, the words leaving your lips just break the tension like a knife and I've just seen things come down and you can talk to the brother the next week and it's like, man, I have had such a great week. I haven't even really thought about anything like this and man, I feel free. It's like something broke in my life. And you go, yeah, because you could confess it. And if you put it on top of it with another layer of saying, now, do you believe in Jesus? And if you can say, yeah, I believe Jesus can set me free from this. That statement of faith, it turns around and it electrifies the place so that the power of God can work. And I've just seen brother after brother after brother and sister and so many families go through this, this, this problem where they say, well, you know, uh, I'm going, I don't want to talk about it. don't want to talk about it. And they keep it all to themselves. They, they, they feel that they've got to struggle. And what you're doing is you're nullifying the power of God in your life. When Jesus says, make a statement of faith. When Jesus is saying, if your faith can start to be expressed, either by the action of Peter throwing the net in, either by the leper making, saying, if you're willing, I know that you're able. If you're there to rip the roof off and say, Jesus, i got to get to you you are going to find that the power of God is unleashed. And what I think is just absolutely bizarre, people, is that, is that when we, we want to deal with our sins, Pastor, I want to come, and I get this, uh, i got to tell you I'm struggling with sin. Oh, man, praise the Lord, you know. I, I need help. Oh, praise the Lord. Do you believe that Jesus Christ can heal you? Yeah, I do. And then comes to the next scenario. Well, I'm just telling you, but don't tell anybody else. 
well, of course I'm not going to sit down there. You know, it's not like I'm going to go run my mouth all over the place. But what bothers me is that if you, if you are wrestling with sin, what you need to do is you need to scream from the highest mountaintop. You need to blow the trumpet and to say, Excuse me! I need help! And somehow or another, the idea is that, well, we don't want to say anything. We don't want anybody to know. We don't want to keep it all there. And Pastor, don't gossip. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. If I'm going through the valley of temptation and I realize I've got the horde of hell on my feet, I'm going to sit down and say, excuse me, everybody here, let's pray for Pastor Dave. Excuse me, tell everyone you know to pray for Dave that he's going through the valley of hell. I want to announce it. I want to sound the alarm. I want to scream it from the tooth, from the rooftops. I want to do everything I can to get help. And you watch brothers. I need a little bit of help. Don't, don't, don't tell anyone else. Brother, if you need help, tell everyone you know. Say, hey, you know what? I'm really tempted. I'm, I'm thinking every dirty thought. I want you to call me every hour. I want, can, can you do that? Can you call me every night? Can, can, can we get together and pray? Hey, you know, Saturday night prayer meeting, I'm there. I'm there for this. I'm there early in the morning. I want to go through everything. And I want everyone to know I'm struggling with something. There's no crime in saying if you come to the church and says I'm struggling, I don't, you listen, I don't care. You're not going to get shot here. You're not going to get pulled apart. It's a sanctuary. You're allowed to be able to say, man, out there I'm getting ripped to shreds. Man, they're shooting at me left and right and they're trying to kill me. And when you come into the church, you should be able to say, help. Oh, you need help? We don't want people like you. But slap the pastor upside the head. You go, you know, you need to come to a place that you can be who you are and to be set free. And it comes, it comes down to that statement of faith. To realize and say, Lord, I need you. I can't see the world around me. There's so many things that are not going right. I need Jesus. And as we step out and we have a statement of faith, as we start to walk in the fullness of God, you're going to see the power of God to be unleashed in your life. And it is so sad to see so many Christians crippled. Where's God? I don't know. He's not there. He's not there. Jesus isn't there for me. He'll never be there for you, brother, until you open up your heart, you risk, and you trust Him with your life. It takes a, an act of faith, an act of faith to say, Lord, you're able. That's what stimulates it. Now, God comes into your life. He came into Peter's life. He'll invade your space. He's going to listen to you. Jesus will even do demonstrations for you. He'll jump through a few hoops for you. He'll give you a few fish. He'll give you what... If you need to be proven to something, Lord, show me. He'll show you. He doesn't hide in the dark. He's not sitting down there, you know, oh, I won't say anything until you come out. No, no, no. He's, he's actively working and pursuing things in your life. Argue with me and tell me I'm wrong. You know it, I know it. God wants to work in your life and He is actively pursuing you and chasing after you. But it still comes down to the same thing. You want to be, hey, Lord, let me flip that switch on to enable you with a statement of faith to say that I believe in you. I, I love you. I care about you. And as we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we see that the power of God is there to do a mighty work in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in prayer. Now, I suppose when we close in prayer, I don't want to get too oogity-boogity here. 
and I know, and I almost want to apologize in a certain sense for church. No, I don't. I don't want to apologize. But, but I, I know our church might be taking on that, that old Pentecostal flavor. You know, last week we were casting out the demon of tobacco. And, and <laughs> I know that when I came forward, I went to a home Bible study, and as I was going to a home Bible study, you know, there was only four or five of us, and that's how I kind of got saved. And this guy, Jeff, who was teaching a study, he'd always sit down and says, man, come here, let me lay hands on you and pray for you. And I'd be like, I'm not asking for this, but you know, when you got four people in the room and they're ganging up on you. And I can just remember the, the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit where I'd be sitting there crying over what the Lord was doing and touching. You know, to, to, to come forward, we don't have to yell and scream and jump around and say, oh yeah! We're not here to sit down. It doesn't have to be that way. Coming forward, receiving prayer, it's you enabling the Lord to work in your life. I want to beg you to do that. And hopefully today, we don't need to you know, scream at you. We don't need to do anything. If you need prayer, come forward. There's able-bodied people that would love to lay hands on you, pray with you. You can confess your sins to them and it's there. But for us, you're also just welcome to you know, hear the teaching, receive it, walk out the door and come back. We want God's Word to, to minister. But... But please, don't miss the opportunity. And, and, and I said, Lord, as I was preparing the message, I, said, I just want a funny one. Let me tell a few jokes. With, you know, it's been so thick. It's been so intense the last few sermons. And, and, and yet the Lord is saying, Dave, people need to, to, to know that they can trust me. They need to know it's okay. And the Lord might be saying again, talk about something. Come forward. Express yourself and be changed. And that's all we want to say about it. As Chris will come up and play. You know, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to work in your life and, and be open to the power of God to make a simple statement. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are in need of our sanctuary. Father, we need You to do a mighty work in our lives. Father, even I can admit that I hedge my bets. I, I hold back. I give You half a heart, Father. I pray that we as a church could open up our hearts to give you our whole heart, to turn you on, Father, and to stimulate you that switch would be in the on position and that we would make a profession of faith. The words would leave our lips to say, Jesus, we believe in you. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we need you. Father, there's a world out there of stumbling around in the dark and we need your fish finder. We need to be able to find our next meal and have that abundant life. Father, start to do your work here today. Demonstrate for us, Father, the power of your Spirit. We're your children, Father. We're your sons and your daughters. We're no longer orphans, Father. We need to be at home and at rest in you. I pray, Father, that your Spirit would just continue to draw us, to fill us, and to touch us, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.